Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Jay, I felt like we were just here. We were. This is part two <laughs> of two, as we mentioned. You know, we're we're doing two really good shows this week. Um, we had to squeeze in uh, Maddie this week uh, just because it's so timely. And a really interesting uh, discussion today with, uh, with Ed Vincent from Festival Pass. Yeah, so before we get into our discussion with Ed yeah. and talking about FestivalPass.com, uh, thank you to Hypebot and Bands in Town for Thanks, all of your support and your love. And of course, our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Banzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools, social media integrations, and of course, amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we got a special offer we put together. Head over to bandzoogle.com, register and try it for free for 30 days, and use the promo code, all one word here, musicbizweekly, and you'll save 15% off the first year of any subscription. And of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments can be so small, it's selling products like CD, vinyl, t-shirts online and at gigs and festivals has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you will save up to $150 in shipping. So, yeah, Jay, as you mentioned, we've uh, got Ed Vincent from FestivalPass.com joining us this week. And, yeah, interesting uh, it's, conversation. It's an interesting um, conversation and an interesting business model. Yeah. So check it out, a subscription festival pass. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we're joined by Ed Vincent, uh, founder, CEO of uh, Festival Pass and an entrepreneur. Uh, Ed, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Where are you coming from today? Where are you at? So I am currently in Austin, Texas. Uh, nice. I'm a recent transplant after 23 years in New York City. Ah, you like it? I do. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's, uh, Austin's great. Obviously, uh, we're, we're all hoping it, it picks back up, uh, you know, in the world of post-COVID, but uh, yeah. great live music town and uh, great. Definitely, definitely. And really good uh, rub, you know, if you like uh, some of these barbecue joints. 
Well, it depends what you mean by rub, but uh, hey. <laughs> wow, this took a nasty turn quickly. Exactly. Didn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hear that uh, Texas Texas is known for their brisket, and what Memphis is known for their pork. So I'm just trying to figure it all out. Yeah, it's there all you good. Go. So, there you go. so tell us a little bit about uh, Festival Pass. I went and signed up and was looking through there, and it's it's so much more than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be maybe you know, you'll alert me when there's some cool festivals I should know about, but holy cow. I mean, it's like books and everything, uh, food, all sorts of stuff. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about uh, festival pass. Sure. Sure. So like, like everything in life, there's context. Um, so I'll tell you in general what festival pass is, and then I'll, I can give you some context of the why and where it came Please. So, um, so what it is, is the world's first um, subscription marketplace uh, for live events in general. So while the name Festival Pass, uh, you know, evokes emotion and festivals are something that really inspire people and, and get them excited to be part of groups and community, it's really just all live events. And that crosses music, film, food and wine, tech and innovation, sports, theater, and numerous things you talk about. The reality though is music tends to be the, uh, the thing that drives emotion and tends to be one of the largest kind of um, live event um, genres that exist both here in the US and globally. Um, but just even kicking back to some of the context is, um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years and, um, you know, had an e-commerce business that I built and sold in 2001, but then all through the 2000s, um, I had an agency. My agency was a, an experiential agency um, that, engaged a lot of brands across many big events. So whether it was music festivals or film festivals or just other uh, large scale uh, events and festivals. Um, we, we helped a number of film festivals launch. We even owned a film festival in the Dominican Republic. Uh, wow. And it really kind of um, brought me back to uh, really loving and being passionate about live events because it is that unique uh, time and place where people can actually engage that will never happen again with that same audience at that same time at that same place and you guys being uh you know obviously deep in the music world uh you know that's why everybody loves live albums right you can never recreate that experience no, no so 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 you know festival pass first thing that always comes to mind is okay it's a it's a live festival live face to face people you know out there in a big pasture somewhere in a huge stage. Obviously that's not happening this year. And, you know, as, as some of our past guests have alluded to, um, you know, it's not even a guarantee it's happening next year. So how does Festival Pass work in this online streaming world that we're in right now? Sure. So, so obviously, um, you know, there, there are the two elements to event-based businesses, right? So you do have the live physical event. And obviously, since COVID has happened, there's been an evolution towards more live streaming. So even when, when COVID happened and we were, you know, going down our path uh, to build what we want to build, um, we're, we're holding true to our overall mission is that we're a place where people can come together to engage in live events um, if some of those live events happen to be virtual, then, then so be it. But we, what we did not do is pivot our entire model to have to be the producer of those virtual events. Um, there's so many other businesses that kind of went out to, to engage in that process. So, you know, for example, when, when things started happening and live events went away, 
Um, you know, if you're a big artist that can maintain some level of fan engagement, but don't necessarily need a paycheck, um, you saw a lot of that fan engagement uh, virtual events happening, you know, the first few months of COVID with big artists going on Twitch or YouTube or Instagram Live. Uh, right. and, you know, they're much better served to reach that kind of large audience on a free basis to, to engage your, your audience. Um, where I think uh, the evolution has been happening on the virtual side over the last three, six months is everybody's trying to figure out, well, what is the long-term business model of virtual? Um, you know, how can you make it a complementary aspect to the live event so that it can actually drive uh, reoccurring additional revenue, revenue streams rather than be a replacement for? So I do believe we're going to be back to live events um, in 2021. Um, and we can all debate on exactly when that will be. I'm already, <laughs> seeing, already seeing an evolution towards it. Um, you know, just seeing uh, many, you, you guys obviously see the innovations that people are having, whether it's pod-based, um, you know, groupings, whether it's drive-ins, uh, sure. even on the smaller venue side, I'm beginning to see more and more schedules uh, coming back where people are saying, hey, you know what, we are going to do a outdoor 50% occupancy or 50% uh, you know, size uh, audience at our venue in December, in January, in February. So, so we are moving back to a path where people are seeing the light. Um, and of course, everybody needs to be uh, vigilant, needs to ensure that yeah. um, they're creating the safety precautions that make people feel comfortable to go back. Yeah. So, so can, you, can you walk us through the two scenarios here of how Festival Pass works for the fan slash consumer and for the performer? Sure, sure. So let me, let me take one step back and then I'll get into that is one of the things that's important that I didn't really get to is uh, the way the business model of Festival Pass works because people have heard about other various subscription services that existed out there. And you know, many of your, your listeners may have heard of something called Movie Pass. Sure. Uh, in the past. And, and I, I was asked to, to come in. I didn't get through my full bio, but uh, my, my last uh, business for the last six years, uh, I, was, uh, I built a data consultancy and a software platform to predict uh, different outcomes using data for a lot of entertainment companies and brands like A&E Networks and AMC Networks. Uh, and MoviePass came to me in my business and asked me to come in and be their, their um, intern, in, interim chief data officer in order to make sense of the, the data of their three and a half million subscribers. And it was a very interesting time to understand what was going on. And they made some big mistakes along the way. And they had a business model that wasn't really sustainable, uh, at least in the way the company was being financed. So um, the point I'm, I'm bringing up in that capacity is uh, I wanted to make sure when I saw a big opportunity, um, like the $200 billion live events industry, um, that we do it in a long-term sustainable way that provides value to the consumer, provides value to the, the, um, the, the business venues, the, the, I call it the inventory side of a marketplace, um, and ensuring that everybody is winning by, by having this model go forth together. So, so now that leads into your question, which is on the consumer side, um, consumers come to Festival Pass and they sign up for a monthly subscription, whether that is at the, the lowest number, $9 a month, they get six credits, or at 90, $99 a month, you get 100 credits. And what that means is the more you're willing to commit to on a monthly basis, the lower price per credit it costs you, 
And then those credits can be used to go to thousands of different live events. So those credits in, this, in what you're basically buying is, is a, an admission ticket with a credit? Well, the, the answer is yes, but a lot more than that. So, so that's, the, that's the first pass, right? So at the end of the day, you get credits for your subscription. Those credits are yes, absolutely. You can redeem those credits to get an admission ticket to an event, a festival, or other. Um, but over time, you'll be able to use those credits for other things like booking a hotel room as you go to an event, like um, some merch, like, uh, you know, gotcha. working with a bunch of independent live music venues. And, you know, you may even be able to use your, your Festival Pass app with your credits to redeem for things within the venue itself, whether that's drinks or some other, some other aspect of being there. It becomes, a, sure. it becomes a currency through which by committing on a monthly basis to a certain level, you're, you're going to find a lot of benefits for you, the consumer. So now, how are you finding your, your artists and your events? Say again, how are we bringing how are, how are you curating and finding these festivals, artists, events? Sure. So, so that comes in many, many um, different avenues, right? So when you talk about the big kind of singular festivals, um, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, whether it's like South Beach Food and Wine or Summerfest in Milwaukee or... Uh, South by Southwest, they're all kind of run by their own individual groups. That's right. They're not owned by AEG or Live Nation or one of the big guys. Um, so on those deals, we'll, we talk directly to the, the, the festival groups in order to create a relationship in which um, it makes sense for all of us. Um, but then there's other aspects. So you may see even on our site now, there's a lot of kind of thousands of interesting, unique, um, smaller events um, we, we, we partner with some ticket aggregators in order to gain access to some of that inventory and just pull it into our website by an API. And then as they become available, we make, the, make those redeemable for credits. Um, then then it, it goes on a little further. We're, we're also um, you know, talking to some of the uh, big groups that manage independent venues. You guys are probably familiar with Neva and, and everything that's going on with their Saber Stages initiative. But, but effectively, what, what they've been able to do is, you know, aggregate thousands of different live event owners as members. Um, so we're working on paths to kind of market who we are to them through their network channel so that we create more of an inbound desire for venues to want to sign up and be part of our platform so that our members can redeem their credits to go to their live music venues. Gotcha. Now, now one of the things is we've, we've seen over the years with festivals is it's evolved from just one general admission ticket that everybody gets in and it's a mad rush to wh whoever can get the best spot to, you know, you can spend thousands of dollars for VIP at a festival. Yeah. Are you working along with all of that through the credit system to allow your members if they wanted to get the VIP treatment? as opposed to just the general admission treatment? Yeah, I mean, that's one of our goals is to, to ensure that um, whatever um, inventory is available, that we make that available to our users. Um, it really just would end up being a, a larger use of credits. So it would cost, cost more credits to go to those VIP experiences. And also we, we do have plans that as we continue, as we come out the other side of COVID and we have lots and lots of people going back to live events. Um, you know, we've had some numerous discussions with even a lot of uh, 
call it unique event producers um, to allocate uh, certain certain parts of their inventory to us specifically for different members. So right now we have you know anywhere from a nine to ninety nine dollar membership. There's really five tiers. We do have plans in the future, and it's really just waiting till the time is right. But um, to offer even more VIP level. Um, memberships within festival pass so that when you're at a higher level you get first access to some of these vip experiences so is there a way for your company to share some of its data um, whether it's with a, a data platform whether it's with you know polestar whether it's with you know uh, these festivals i would imagine you're going to be collecting some pretty valuable information uh, that people are going to want. Is there a dashboard for them or is there a kind of data sharing? Yep. So, so great question. So uh, obviously I just shared with you, I come from a deep data background so that, you know, when we started the company, it was a data first business to begin with. Um, you know, we even have a, a data graph of 250 million consumers that ties into our backend. So, um, you know, as we learn more about our customers, um, we're able to, uh, enrich some of that data with with more a bigger profile about kind of what they like. Um, the biggest reason for that is it well, it's twofold. The, the first is is to ensure that we're providing the best consumer experience for our members. Um, so we, what what's interesting about the way we've developed the the process for what we're building is just like Netflix, right? When you log on and if you look at our dashboard, you might might feel a little bit like that, whereas, um, but they're events rather than movies or TV shows. There's, you know, when you log on to Netflix, there's thousands of movies you could see, but you can't look at all thousand movies at one, one swipe right. and pick what you want to see. So we try and whittle that down. So we're building this dynamic recommendation engine so that not only do we know what location you're in or uh, that you like music better than film or that you like, Bonnaroo, Coachella, and this festival. Um, some of it is self-reported, some of it is data we're able to enrich, but we continue to make that recommendation engine for you the best it possibly can be. And the, the beauty of that, and this is, is something I did learn from the MoviePass days, is uh, discovery is sometimes uh, one of the most exciting parts about it. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, let's say you're traveling to South by Southwest and one of your favorite bands is playing at you know, the Empire Control Room, and you go to see it on Saturday night, but all of a sudden, on Sunday, a very similar band that is like your genre is playing at Stubbs, you know, you should be able to see that in your app. So you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that they're playing. I want to go, I actually want to go see that. Yeah, it reminded me of when you sign up for certain DSPs, they try to get a grip on what genres, moods, things that to kind of help guide you because with nearly 50,000 tracks uploaded every day it, it speaks to your your point it's you can't you know wade through all of that and I noticed when I signed up that it was carefully laid out like you described like a Netflix like a DSP where it's like hey what do you like and then you can kind of choose and I would imagine that helps inform your algorithm or your AI whatever it is to kind of help start feeding um, maybe like competitive products and things as well as getting them to what they're going to respond to. Correct. Yeah. So that, that, that self-reported uh, information is the, the base. And then from that, the behavioral information of what you actually do when you're on the site, whether you go to an event or not, or you just like the event, 
that build the profile. And you know, th we have other ambitions as well um, on the roadmap, just time, energy, resources to get to it. But uh, you know, for example, we have an integrated process where people can um, friend each other within the Festival Pass community. So I'll know that 80 of my friends uh, like this event as well. So it's likely that maybe I like that event too. And that all feeds into the algorithm to, to get it. Um, oh, that's really cool. Cause then like, let's say you and I both like a lot of the same bands. I could maybe look at your profile and go, gosh, what's, what's Ed checking out this week? Oh, that's, yeah, that's super cool. And the one, the one feature that I'm excited about that isn't live yet, but it will be within a few months is, uh, is like you might land on an event and as, as long as you're logged in, you'll see how many of the friends you're connected to in Festival Pass are, are actually already going to that event. So you'll say, oh, wow, you know, these eight people that I know are already, already have tickets to this event, I'm going to go to. So for the, for the venues, for the festivals, for, as, as you call it, the inventory, um, do they still need to set up their own ticketing system? They need to do all of that on their own? Are you just, it, it seemed to me what you were saying is you were acquiring some of their unused inventory. So do they still have to have an Eventbrite? set up to sell tickets or sell tickets through Ticketmaster or whatever it might be and you're just taking some of the inventory? Yeah, so so the answer is yes, that is the the approach as, as we see it today. Most people already have um, their own ticketing infrastructure in place. So we're not trying to change the entire industry where it would remove ticketing companies um, to be able to, to execute and do what they do. Um, we're even partnering with a few of those ticketing companies to to make sure we can share, um, you know, work alongside each other for everybody's benefit. However, um, if there are venues that don't already have a ticketing engine, you know, we inherently have that built in. So if if people, if only Festival Pass users were to go to an event um, as they redeem their credits, we generate a barcode that uh, that actually is acceptable at the venue's uh, location. So. So okay. how, how, how would this work or can it work for a virtual festival? So sure. some, some, somebody's setting up a stream, you know, they're going to have a half a dozen bands over a Saturday stream live. And, and let's assume they don't have the ability on whatever platform they're streaming to to sell the tickets, but they would like to become part of Festival Pass. How do you provide a paid walled garden to that fest, that virtual festival? Sure. So, so if you look at it this way, so there's there's a couple of ways you, we can do it. So, at the end of the day, when somebody redeems their credits, what they're gaining is access to something called called that paywall that you're referring to. So, if it's a live event they're generating a barcode and that barcode can be used to enter that live event when they get there. The same exact process would work for a virtual festival. So effectively, if I redeem credits for a, a virtual festival, um, I can then allow our user to gain access to behind the wall, if you will. Uh, and in that behind of the wall, we would be streaming that event. So there's, there's a couple ways that happen, right? So if somebody already has a traditional uh, streaming partner, we're, we're in talks with several right now um, to be able to pull their stream directly into Festival Pass. So I'll, I'll give you an example that can create the, the mental correlation is you guys probably have all been on Amazon Prime Video. So have you ever watched an HBO show on Amazon Prime Video? Sure, yeah. 
exact same concept. So uh, HBO is allowing a, a data feed into the Amazon Prime experience that once you've paid that paywall, whether you have a, a subscription and or just like when you rent a movie on Amazon Prime, you've paid your three or $4 and then now it flips to allow you to stream whatever's behind that wall. Um, think of it in that capacity. So that's, that's one um, prospect when we have integrations with certain of the streaming partners. Some don't, some venues or um, uh, how do I say, concerts or, or, or streamed events, don't necessarily have a sophisticated streaming partner. They might stream it via Zoom or, uh, or you know, call it Twitch. Or uh, the problem with those is it's hard to create a paywall for something that's free elsewhere. Um, but if there is some uh, concept that they use that, in order to be able to access it, they just need to code. That's kind of the the non-preferable preferable way for us. But it's something that we're exploring today. Whereas somebody that would redeem their eight credits on Festival Pass, it would bring them to the next page on our site and say, well, use code 645 uh, when logging in to see the stream at this link. Click here. So, so the, the events and the festivals could stream directly into Festival Pass. I, 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 that's what I'm hearing here is that you... That is you, you yeah, you don't have to stream to YouTube. You don't have to stream to Twitch. You could just stream to Festival Pass, and Festival Pass credits are the admission for your audience. Correct. The only thing we don't do is provide the infrastructure for the stream. We, we receive the stream. Right. You're right. not hosting it. Right. So what's really interesting to me is the kind of the cross-pollination, for lack of a better term, of all these different entertainment kind of verticals that you have and how, and you being a data guy, I mean, I, I see a tremendous opportunity for people who are into wine and cheese and doing that thing. But that kind of goes hand in hand with some of these other things like books and film and music. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you can use that data to kind of bring people from one side to another and expose them to other opportunities? Sure. I think one of the things that was important to us when we launched was when, when anytime you're having a subscription marketplace, you want to make sure that there's enough uh, content um, for somebody to feel in, compelled to sign up for a monthly subscription for. So in that capacity, of course, you have the super passionate people especially, you know, you call, call it your festival goers, there's a certain percent that will go anywhere, anyhow, any, any way to, to hit the festival. Um, but we want to be more of a, uh, have a broader audience. We want to be able to reach, you know, call it the casual uh, live event goer across multiple genres so that somebody might say, hey, um, you know, I love going to the local food and wine festival in you know, Austin, Texas, there's a beer and brisket festival, but I also love to go to South by Southwest. And I also once in a while, want to go to Alamo Draft House and see a movie or just the idea of being able to cross pollinate all those different genres that um, to your point, as we know the behavior and we know what you like to do, it becomes that discovery mechanism. So we can actually introduce something to you that you may not even realize you actually would like um, when you want to go. And, and 
let's talk a little bit here before we wrap up about the, the finances. So somebody buys a subscription from you, uses credits. How are you, Festival Pass, making money? And, and what is the venue making out of it? I'm assuming it's not 100% pass through. You must be taking some percentage for the service. Yeah, so you can look at it as a marketing expense. So it's either to the venue or the, the, um, the rights holder. Uh, effectively, uh, they're providing a revenue share to us. So some people call it a discount, other people call it a revenue share. It's all, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. But we, we tend, tend to target about 20 to 30% of the total uh, face value ticket um, for the margin through which we can provide a pass-through discount to our consumers as well as maintain some level of margin operator business. So if you can, if you, if you take that into high level consideration and say, hey, if a ticket was traditionally $100, and let's take the median, the median of, our, of the margin, 25%. So we would end up paying the venue $75 for that $100 ticket, but we will be also marketing that event you know, to our membership base and bringing in people that may or may not uh, have previously um, either been aware because of this discovery mechanism we're talking about or just reaching a larger audience. So with that margin that we have left over, um, we choose kind of how much of that we pass along to our users um, in many ways. Uh, obviously, the, the overall ticket price is the core data point through which we convert credits into it. But over time, as we know better the lifetime value of our consumer uh, and we know um, how much they're uh, impacting our overall business, it could be not only how long, how many months they've been uh, on board. It could be uh, what level of membership they're on. It could be how many of their social media friends also are members of Festival Pass. There's numerous elements uh, that we'll put into the algorithm that may make it cheaper for one member um, to go to something than potentially another because of the, the, they're more engaged within the environment. Got it. Are there and any, sorry, Mike, are, are there any, features or projects on your roadmap that you're pretty excited about? Um, you know, cause this, I'm sure this is going to be an evolution um, with this. Sure. Anything yeah, you can talk about where you're going? Yeah, well, there's many. I mean, I, I think I uh, referred a little bit, it's, it's in more detail. Um, so it's hard to kind of get granular, but the whole social aspect. So when I think of ticketing companies in general, they're not really social. It's just a transaction. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to call any specific ticket companies out, but I don't, I don't know any consumer that is loyal to any ticketing company. Right. Uh, and they usually don't enjoy as they, you know, get the ticket and on the way out, get another little fee added onto the back of it. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple benefits there in terms of creating a social environment. Um, when, all of those things are laid out where people can um, connect internally within Festival Pass. It will enable a lot of interesting things like, um, you know, right now we require everybody to actually have a Festival Pass account, but once everybody's connected through a friends and family kind of environment, there'll be the opportunity for sharing credits, gifting credits, um, buying more credits when you want to top up. Um, all those things that just make it easier to engage in the process. Um, I think I shared a couple other things is uh, I get excited when the credits can be used for more than just the event itself. 
Um, you know, we're working on a deal now where, you know, almost anybody would be able to um, simply buy a hotel room through us cheaper than they could at hotels.com or yeah. just because we're a membership program. And there's a, there's a concept when you have a membership program that you can actually gain access to cheaper discounts across the, across the board. Are there any startup fees that the festival has to incur to start working with you guys? No, nope, not at all. Not at all. So it's really just a pure rev share across the board. Um, so the ability for, for them to come and join, um, obviously it's, it's easier um, if they just kind of go through the traditional implementation that we'd want them to. And, and you had asked earlier, and I didn't really answer it about the dashboards. Um, we are providing dashboards to our venue partners. So, um, you know, we'll help them update content if uh, they so desire, but um, they can also just log right into their partner dashboard and update content as, as it becomes available. Um, and then on top of that, there is a uh, ability for them to see data that uh, will come through. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll show them within their dashboard that, hey, um, of all the people that came through Festival Pass that went to your venue, this is what they look like. This is what they're all about. This is uh, Got it. Know, the, the, the demographics that they exhibit yeah. provides another value. And, and Very cool. Final question. How much technical knowledge experience does a festival have to have in order to work with you on this? Do they need to have, is, is it beneficial to have a, a programmer, an IT guy, or is this just go register an account and that's it? Yeah, so I would, the, when, when I talk about, when people say, what is the business model of Festival Pass? I usually say it's Airbnb meets ClassPass, and I say that for a reason. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys know what ClassPass is or. Mm -hmm. No. Um, the only reason I bring that up is they have a credit-based currency model that's allowed them to go uh, become a billion-dollar company and roll out in 30 different countries. Um, they just do what kind of what we're doing, but for exercise classes, so people pay a monthly fee and get a subscription. But the Airbnb side is is kind of the relevancy to answer the question you asked, right? So if you Got think it. about the way Airbnb works, if you want to be a host and you want to join Airbnb, you can you can join, right? And then you can also upload all of your images and photos into this, this environment. Um, and you don't need any technical knowledge. There's just a UI that you go right. in and stuff. Somebody yeah. wants to rent it, it all in, integrates through. So there's not a necessity. What we do like to do is when we have partners that have dozens or hundreds of different events is we, we prefer an API integration so that we can simply just get the content without any humans having to enter any information. Yeah, and, that and, makes and sense. Do you have any requirements for new festivals to come on board? Do they have to be around for so many years? Do they have to have an attendance of X amount of people or nothing? No, no. We, uh, obviously, we're going to proactively go get the more well-known. Sure. Bigger ones. But the reality is, is um, we want to make it a self-serve platform like an Airbnb. Whereas you can go on and, and simply add, uh, add venues. Airbnb, again, is a good example because there's some, there's some professional Airbnb hosts, if you will, people that have 40 properties, 100 properties, sure. and they go through the process of managing it in that capacity. And then there's just somebody that's got a garage in their backyard and they want to rent to somebody. Yeah, that's a good analogy. So, and how can people learn more uh, about it and how can they find you? 
Sure. So festivalpass.com is the easiest way to, to learn about Festival Pass and sign up. And just so everybody knows, you can sign up for free. Um, and you don't get any credits when you sign up for free, but you can earn credits by telling all your friends and get free credits. Um, but uh, it's nice to sign up for free and then be able to, you know, wait until you get an email that says, hey, look at these events that are in your area. And you might say, okay, now it's time to upgrade to a paid membership. So there you go. Um, so that's that. Me personally, I mean, Festival Pass is also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the above. Me personally, on a business side, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Um, great. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. And great talking with you, man. Uh, continued success. This is really interesting. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And the, one, one last thing to just kind of note. Sure. Not, uh, not that it's anywhere near a done deal, but... Uh, in the world of independent music, we've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to help um, save the live event industry yeah. and help them get to the other side of, uh, of, of what we're doing in a way that then can have a sustainable business model going forward. So we've been working with a lot of um, uh, financial funds to see if we can uh, have them apply uh, capital into some independent venues who would provide some future ticket inventory as collateral against that cash advance. Sure. Um, and uh, just a way to really kind of help them get to the other side. So we'll, we'll yeah, they need on. the help for sure. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Ed. Thanks Thank again. You for taking Ed. We some really appreciate it. Sitting down with us. Appreciate it guys. Take right. care. Have a man. great day. Discmakers.com use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. That, that's an interesting business model, you know, a festival subscription service. And, and what mm -hmm. I really like, because sort of like you, when I went in and first looked around, I was like, oh, it's probably just going to be all music. Mm -hmm. And it's not. No. Music no, is just a many. portion. I mean, there's art festivals and food festivals and wine festivals. Books. And yeah. Books. And, and yeah, so that's what really excited me even more about yeah. this. It's like, yeah, it's a great opportunity for music and for festivals. But for the consumer, I'm like, yeah. oh, cool. Now I sort of have a one-stop destination for yeah. all festivals. Yeah, the thing that I thought was really interesting, and he touched on it, is that when you buy tickets, you don't have a relationship with Ticketmaster. No. You know, you don't have any, there's no social connection there. And I think that's part that's missing because we identify ourselves sometimes as, you know, we're, if you're a fan of Jimmy Buffett, you're a parrot head, you know, and if you're a fan of the Grateful Dead, you're a deadhead or, or whatever it is. And there's a tribe there. There's a yep. community there. And I think this can really help uh, expose people to other communities. Yeah, cool. and, and, and I, I do like the fact that as well that they, they are set up to work with virtual festivals. Yeah. I mean, because let, let, let's be honest, you know, real world festivals right now, at least, you know, in the next six months are not happening. Yeah, I'm one um, of those people virtual. who thinks it's going to be closer to two years, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, as, as Dean said a couple of weeks ago, yeah, you know, festivals are booked for next summer, but they're not holding their breath that yeah. they're going to stay. But the fact that festival pass can work 
very well and easily mm -hmm. with a virtual festival, not sort of like, oh, we hacked it, we kind of tweaked it and made it work. It's not, no, it works. I mean that you can even have them be the destination for the yeah. virtual stream. Yep, all built in, very cool. So very cool, very cool. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, before we wrap up, just a quick thank you to uh, HypeBot.com, Bands in Town. Thank you for everything you do to support us. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com and DiscMakers.com. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't ever miss another episode. And because just keep in mind this week two episodes this week That's right. if Bonus you think episode. it happens every friday not all the time <laughs> you might miss one so subscribe uh follow us on spotify if that's where you like to listen for the same reason so you don't miss an episode and subscribe and leave an, a review and rating on itunes um that's it everybody music biz weekly podcast we'll see everyone next week